Welcome to Malicious Mamas, a podcast dedicated to an all-female perspective on lore, legends, and the creatures of the insomnia-driven fears you have at 3 a.m. I am your host, Nikki Mandiola. This week's episode is a topic I'm sure all of you listening know one or two things about. I have been terrified of this mama for as long as I can remember. At some point, it felt like every slumber party I attended ended up playing this classic horror game. Of course, as a kid, I really never knew how this game came into fruition. Who was Mary, and why does everyone seem to have a tale or two to share about this gruesome mirrored nightmare? These questions are what I decided to take on this week, and boy did I learn a lot. Without further ado, let's get down to the business. This week's topic is Bloody Mary. There are many origin renditions of this legend, but I would like to begin with the game itself in case there are some who are not familiar with it. Bloody Mary is a game played mostly at sleepovers, documented as starting as early as the 1960s. In this game, participants are to enter a dark enclosed space, preferably a bathroom, and stand in front of a mirror. Holding a candle or flashlight, the participants can say a number of things, such as repeating Bloody Mary three times, saying, I don't believe in you, Mary Worth, or Mary Johnson, or a variation of, I have your baby, Bloody Mary. With this, the apparition of a woman is to appear in the mirror who will either stab the players of this game or capture their souls to stay with her inside the world beyond the glass. Some research I found states that the modern version is actually a spin-off of an early 20th century game. Girls would hold a hand mirror in one hand, a candle in another, and walk backward up a flight of stairs. This game promised to show the face of your future husband over your shoulder reflected back to you in the mirror, but also could present the image of a skull, or the Grim Reaper, indicating you were to die before getting the chance to wed. Alright, with that out of the way, let's learn about our first of many Marys. In a small village, a woman named Mary Worth lived in a cabin far off into the woods. Selling herbal remedies and keeping mostly to herself, the people of the town knew Mary to be a witch. Most of the locals did not want to get close to her home for fear of a curse, and those who did purchase her remedies were often shunned by the very religious members of the village. Eventually, young girls in town began to go missing. When confronted by the townsfolk, Mary denied all knowledge of the girls' disappearances. The villagers were still suspicious, however, because Mary's usually elderly and haggard appearance drastically changed to feminine and youthful. One night, the miller and his wife witnessed their daughter walk across their home and out the front door in a trance-like state. Calling after her and enlisting the help of other townspeople, the crowd followed the girl to the edge of the woods. It was then that the local farmer noticed a light emitting from amongst the trees. Realizing she had been discovered, Mary tried to flee, but was shot in the hip by the farmer and captured by the group. Kicking and screaming, 
she was tied to a stake in the middle of town and burned alive. During this, Mary cursed the town so that if her name was ever uttered in front of a mirror, she would return to enact her revenge. Afterwards, the villagers traveled to Mary's house and found rows of unmarked graves confirming that she was behind the disappearances. It was assumed that the witch had been using the blood of the girls to become more youthful. Many variations of this story exist, as Mary's last name can also be Johnson. This Mary Johnson has been connected to the Salem and Connecticut witch trials as well. Another Mary Worth tale exists where she is a witch who lived in Chicago and began capturing runaway slaves. She kept these slaves chained up in her barn and bathed in their blood to perform her, quote, black magic rituals. Eventually, the locals caught on to her scheme, burned her at the stake, and buried her remains in St. Patrick's Cemetery. Although this is highly unlikely, as St. Patrick's is a Catholic cemetery and a condemned witch would normally be placed there to rest. Let's move on to another Mary, Mary Worthington to be exact. Worthington was a very vain girl in the 1960s who loved to spend hours staring at her reflection in a mirror. After a terrible car accident disfiguring her face, Mary could not bring herself to look in a mirror. One day, she accidentally caught a glimpse of her reflection and horrified by the image looking back at her, Mary took her life. A girl named Mary Wales is thrown into the mix of variations where, while waiting on a street corner, she was hit by a truck and killed on the spot. This next Mary is in fact not a Mary at all, but an Elizabeth. Being considered connected to the legend of Bloody Mary, Elizabeth Bathory was a Hungarian noblewoman who lived during the 16th century. Known by some as Countess Dracula or the Bloody Countess, Bathory wreaked havoc on the surrounding area to her castle. Obsessed with remaining youthful, she would kidnap girls and, like some of the Marys mentioned before, use their blood for bathing. First, luring peasant girls by offering a promise of well-paid work as servants, Elizabeth would eventually move on to killing the daughters of lower gentry who were sent by their parents to learn courtly etiquette. At the height of her madness and convinced she needed more blood, the Countess would send her guards to kidnap girls and bring their bodies back to the castle. After a six-year killing spree, Elizabeth ran out of room to hide the bodies in her home and she became sloppy with her disposal. As a result, the Countess resolved to throwing the bodies over the castle wall where villagers walking near the premises would stumble upon the corpse of a loved one. Bathory was immediately put on public trial, but because of her noble birth, was exempt from execution, although she was found guilty. Punishment was unescapable, however, and the noblewoman was sentenced to be walled up inside a dungeon built within her castle. Denied the ability to see the sun or hear a sound, Elizabeth remained in this solitary confinement until her death three years later at the age of 54. Saving what I believe to be the best story for last, 
let's move on to the most infamous Mary, Queen Mary I of England. As the firstborn to King Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon, Mary began her life as a disappointment due to her simply being born as a female. Desperately trying to produce a male heir, as well as just being a total lunatic in general, King Henry married and divorced multiple times. Depending on the queen of the moment, Mary was either banned from court as a bastard child or welcomed as a princess. In 1553, after the death of her father and despite all the trauma, Mary became queen regnant. Ruling alone, she became increasingly aware that to secure her position, an heir to the throne was needed. Within the first two months of her marriage to King Philip of Spain, Mary announced her pregnancy. This is where things start to become baffling. Doctors at the time were forbidden to examine a monarch to confirm the pregnancy, but all of the signs were there. The queen's menstruation stopped, her breasts became swollen, and she complained of morning nausea. As the months ticked on, the normally thin Mary gained weight in her abdomen as well as felt the baby kick. Entering her second trimester, strange rumors began to swirl about the queen, questioning the truth to her pregnancy. Some believe that she was not pregnant at all and was putting on a show only to steal the child of another woman for her own. Most of these rumors were because Mary's popularity with her subjects was not as high as that of her sister, Elizabeth. During all of this, the Queen signed an act in order to unite England under what she believed to be the true religion, Catholicism. Inciting what was to be called the Marian Persecutions, in February of 1555, 240 men and 60 women were condemned as Protestant heretics and burned at the stake. Mary believed this action would convince Protestants to give up their religion and return to Catholicism. This, of course, would prove to be a miscalculation on her part. With six weeks remaining before her supposed due date, the Queen went into confinement, a practice in which pregnant female monarchs would gather female companions to join them in a private chamber, packed with all things needed for the birth, to wait for labor pains. When the due date came and went, Mary's companions were convinced that the Queen's calculations were off by a month. Another month passed by when something bizarre began to happen to Mary's body. Her belly receded. In denial, the Queen waited another two months before leaving the chambers childless and devastated. This became the most notorious case of pseudopsychesis, or false pregnancy, a condition where a woman can be so convicted in her desire for a child that her mind tricks her body into believing it is pregnant and preparing accordingly. Afterward, Mary never spoke of this pregnancy for the rest of her life. A rendition of the Bloody Mary game where the player states, I have your baby Mary, or I stole your baby Mary, stems directly from this historical tale. Instead of telling an encounter story of this apparition, I decided it would be more interesting to share another tale. Veronica is considered the Spanish version of the Bloody Mary legend, and it goes as follows. 
a girl from a small village named Veronica decided one night to perform a paranormal ritual with her two best friends in an abandoned house. El Juego de las Tijeras y el Libro, or The Game of the Scissors and the Book, consisted of using a Bible and a pair of scissors to contact the spirits of the dead. Although the girl knew this spiritualism was dangerous, she continued to taunt the spirits during the game. Suddenly, the Bible fell to the ground, and the girls watched in terror as the scissors became alive, flew through the air, and stabbed Veronica in her neck. Horrified and feeling powerless against the spirits, her friends fled the house. When they returned hours later, Veronica was found stabbed to death with a Bible in one hand and gripping the scissors lodged in her neck with the other. Belief that her spirit is unable to rest because she died during this ritual, it is said that Veronica remains trapped between the world of the living and the dead, doomed to take revenge on those who do not respect the spirits. Called Nueves Veces Veronica, or Nine Times Veronica, the game indicates to the player the amount of times needed to repeat the spirit's name. Summoned in a similar manner to Bloody Mary, her apparition will appear in a mirror to answer questions about love or to predict the player's date of death. On that note, let's conclude this episode. If you have any suggestions on mamas you'd like me to cover or a spooky tale to share, please send an email to maliciousmamas at gmail.com. If you're looking for more mamas in your life, follow at maliciousmamas on both Instagram and Twitter. Also, if you could rate, comment, and subscribe to Malicious Mamas on your favorite podcast app, I would greatly appreciate the feedback. Until next time, keep it real, mamas. <laughs>